0: Hello, guys. Hello, y'all.
1: Welcome to an episode of Bravo Wild Black. I know that you guys on the Patreon are used to seeing our Patreon episodes where you get to see our faces, but we are having a very special interview today. We are trying to make this Bravo Wild Black. Gains 25,000 followers, the biggest like week ever. We kept pushing it back, kept pushing back, but it's because we wanted to bring you some of the best guests, some of the best to do it in the game and give away prizes and just have this special time for you guys. So this will be on video. Um, Obviously I'm Kaya, that's Aaron. And we have with us a legend icon, podcaster, jokester, Instagrammer extraordinaire. it. author everything wow. Danny from House of Pellegrino
2: How <laughs> Kara, <are> you- <laughs> Aaron thank you so much for having me I'm so excited to talk to both of you I, we have a lot to talk about, there's so much going on in sort of the Bravo universe so I'm uh, excited to break it down with both of you thank you for having me Ooh.
1: oh my god, just thank you for saying yes like we were nervous to even ask you Like you know, we yeah. had some big people on obviously, we had Housewives on and um you know, some big podcasters like Ryan Bailey and our friend Raven, who we finally like got to be friends with. But when it came to you, I'm just like, I don't know
2: if he's going gonna- oh to. I was excited when you both reached out because I do follow the Instagram account and I follow it. I have like a. For a while on my my Instagram account, it was like my whole feed was Bravo and I'd log on and I'd be like overwhelmed because anytime a Bravo thing would happen, it was like that's all I'd see in my feed. So then I decided to do another Instagram account where it's like just my Bravo stuff. And mm-hmm. so, of course, I've been familiar and following you both for a while now. And so I am I was thrilled you were in my DMs.
1: Oh, my God. Thank you so much. And we are just going to get into it. Okay. okay this is about you. And also an interview about Bravo and just how it all intersects and all the experiences that you've had, like Kylie Jenner, to bring you to where you are today. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, so,
0: can you please tell us what what sparked the flame for your love, you know, for Bravo? Like,
2: the, what your made you call love? New York early season is when I really got on board uh, in terms of the Housewives world. I started, I think it was season two of New York. I liked it so much that I went back and started watching uh, Orange County Housewives. And then I watched Atlanta. And uh, I think those were the first three. And then Jersey came along and I just I eventually became obsessed with all of them. But the first one that I sat down and I was like, what is the show? And it was season two of New York Housewives. And Before then, I was a Bravo fan because I loved uh, Kathy Griffin's My Life on the D-List. It was a reality show from back in the day with her, and I thought it was brilliant. And I just rewatched it recently. It still really holds up. It's funny, and it's great. But uh, So I liked that. I liked Inside the Actor's Studio, and I watched um, Early Days of Bravo, like, Workout. Do you remember that show? It was with Jackie Warner. It was like a, a weird docu-series about this woman who runs a gym, and sort of the personal relationships of all the trainers and stuff like that. So it was very similar to like a housewives-esque thing, but it was one of those early shows. And so that was kind of how I got on board with the housewives. And then I never looked back. And I think I was talking to Aaron before we were recording here about how the two of you met. And he was saying, you went to high school together and the two of you were always talking about Bravo. And so you decided to start the show. And I had a similar experience with my best friend, Beth. We would Uh, She lives in Ohio and I live in Los Angeles. And so when I moved across the country, obviously it's harder to keep up with a friend when you live far away like that and you're not in each other's lives every day. And we still talk on the phone all the time, but Mm -hmm. uh, I noticed a lot of our conversations were about Bravo because we were able to connect on that because even though I might not have been uh, able to keep up with the day-to-day of her and her kids and her husband and you miss some things, being that far away from each other, the big events, but uh, Bravo kind of kept us on the same wavelength forever. And still to this day, I mean, not to say that we don't talk about other things too, but I just felt like that was the one thing where it's like, if I might not have, uh, if we took two weeks off from the phone conversations or something, because life got in the way, it was like, we could catch right back up by just talking about Bravo and it kept us on the same wavelength.
1: That's so similar to yeah. Oh my our story. Yeah, like when we when, when it, it was the pandemic, we were just like, we can't go anywhere, we can't do shit. Um, but we're gonna watch these housewives, and we're gonna rewatch Kristen Doty telling her manager to suck a dick, and we're gonna talk. <laughs> I about remember so that was
0: so our good. favorite thing. Actually, yeah. like we would go weeks without talking and yeah. then like <laughs> she would just be like she would send me a random voice note and she would be like second a yeah <laughs> <laughs> wait
2: Literally. isn't that the best though that the these shows like as crazy as they are we have a language amongst each other that i even now when i meet someone it's like i'll be in the grocery store or something and uh you can cut through the bullshit with people so quickly if they just say suck a dick and you're like oh that's my person right there like we get each other because we have the same we have the same reference points the same sense of humor like the same sense of the world and everything and yeah i i think i told this story once um i was hiking sort of recently and i saw someone uh going to the bathroom on the top of a hiking trail it was this woman she had her pants down and I was trying to see what she was doing. I wasn't trying to look. I was like trying to see whatever. Anyway. So she, we had this little awkward back and forth and then uh, she called me. a. I forget if she, I think she said like prostitution whore. One of us said prostitution whore. And she, the other one was like, I love Jersey housewives. And it's like, I was connecting with this woman on the top of a Hill uh, as she had pants down, like going to the bathroom, <laughs> like we were able to suddenly talk about New Jersey housewives and, I just think there's this commonality amongst people. And, and I find that the Bravo audience aside from the like section of the, the people who we see on the internet, that can be sort of take it to a whole new level that it shouldn't be at. But I think for the most part, uh, the Bravo fandom seems to be very witty, get it, gets it, understands it, gets the humor in it all. And so it's fun. Yeah.
1: It's like that. Um, do you guys remember that viral video of when, well, she still is on American Idol, but Katy Perry was on American Idol. And then there's this gay guy on it. He goes, wig. And then she goes, wig. You get it? We get it.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, and Luke Bryan and L-
1: someone who <laughs> understands the icon. as a language. Of, yeah, speaks the language of Bravo. So, like, okay, before you even got into your podcasting. I remember back in the day, I think that's how we actually found you before we even started our page is that you would do these fucking voiceovers and it's like whispering and they would be over like the Pump Fool's clips or, or something like that. And uh, it would just be so funny. Like, is that where you started like content creating? Like what was your journey as um, a yeah. content creator and how did it become this big, beautiful thing that you have
2: now? Oh, thank you. I think a couple of years before I started my podcast, I was making a lot of memes and they were just uh, mostly Bravo memes because that's what I was watching. And it was probably, I mean probably six or seven years ago at this point, maybe even longer than that. So there, there weren't a ton. Now I I know there's uh, tons of these Bravo meme accounts, which I I love seeing them and I love them. But uh, at the time there weren't a whole ton of people making, um, Bravo memes, particularly. So, I had started to get a little bit of a following of like other Bravo watchers just from making memes of housewives. And so, then it made when I transitioned to podcasting, it just felt like a right uh, thing to talk about housewives because most of the following that I had garnered at that point seemed to be Bravo watchers and people who were really into pop culture and uh, gays and women, particular. And so, it just became an extension. But before I did the podcast, I was making memes and uh, at the time I was doing it, and now I don't really even make that many memes. i I post clips and stuff of things that I like, but I was doing very like exact meme formats or whatever, which sounds so cheesy, whatever. But I was uh, I would do one every single day. It was like a, a goal of mine to be like I, I had been doing stand up and sketch comedy, and it wasn't going so great. And so in my head, I was like, well, I can uh, build this meme account. and I feel like there could be something there and so it became very disciplined to me and I felt like that helped me and my account grow uh, but I would do one every single day and they were mostly bravo memes but then also I would do some other pop culture uh, ones but I would do it every single day and then over the years it it became a lot I mean I think as you both know it's it can it might not seem like a lot of work but when you're doing making memes and trying to create this content and stuff like that it's time consuming finding the clips doing some creating something funny with it and uh, something original and, and then also uh, interacting with people who are commenting on it. Like that stuff takes a lot of time. And so for years I did it every single day and I was very disciplined about it. And so now I'm not so much, but it was before the podcast that I was, I was really making those.
1: And then how did it transform into like, how did the podcast come to be?
2: Yeah. So I was, I had a rough sort of performing thing. I had fallen into a depression without getting too deep, but it was like, I felt like I would never perform again because I just I had some personal setbacks and career setbacks and stuff like that. I thought I'm never performing again. A friend told me uh, to start a podcast. She's like, you can d- perform from your house, so you don't have to go out to a, a stage somewhere at 11 PM at night. And so that was appealing to me of like, I could just get up behind the microphone and sort of tell the jokes I would normally do on stage or in a stand-up show or something. And it took me a while to first pick up the microphone and do that show. I remember my boyfriend bought me a microphone and he was like uh, encouraging me to do it. And it t- I think it took me six months or eight months or something before I actually did the first episode and put it out. And then I think early on in that time, it's like you just sort of put out the episodes and you learn as you both know, you learn as you keep going and you find out things that you are better at and you find your voice and all of that kind of stuff. So it snowballed from there. But yeah, that's how it sort of started.
0: Literally, that's that's how it is. Because when me and Kaya came out with like our first episode, we didn't even want to release it because the amount of shit that we talked on that and just like, I think it's so fun, like during those moments, those are always the best moments because it's like, you're at the beginning stages you're trying to figure everything out. And it's like, once you listen to it, you're so far away from the fucking mic. Like (laughs) there's so much
2: going on. What year did you both start or when did you start?
1: 2020, it was right before, like it was during the pandemic, but then we wanted to start it right before the murder of George Floyd. And then when George Floyd got murdered, we were like, we can't have this fun, light podcast thing. If we have a voice and if we build a brand, we have to talk about more than that. You know, like uh, I think our original mission was just. To make people laugh and talk about Bravo and get our minds and sell everyone else's minds off the pandemic. But then when that happened, it's like, okay, well, even if we only have 10 listeners and we can change someone's mind and then speak up about something that's affecting our community, then we can integrate that into Bravo. And then, you know, it, it grew from there. um And then we didn't even think that it would be anything uh at all <laughs> we're, yeah then before like when are you going to do you know your next episode and your next episode and we're like when do you want it like you, you know like,
2: let's figure this out and i think what? it's interesting how you sort of find find the voice and in, in what you're passionate about and I look back yeah. at my early episodes and I'm like, man, I don't even feel like I sound like me in those early ones. Like you mentioned, Aaron, the microphone. It's like, where was my microphone? Like it was, <laughs> where? <laughs> I don't know, but you learn all of these things. And in the beginning, you're just sort of putting it, throwing, what is it like that phrase throwing pasta at the wall or something you're just yeah. trying to figure out and you're trying to figure yeah. out the tech stuff. You're trying to figure out the promotional stuff and, and you learn over time.
1: Okay. So for us, a moment that we blew up was when it, and I'm still salty over it. And I've stopped calling out the accounts, but I still remember the accounts that stole it. But um, it was a meme that made us blow up. And that, that's what got our first, like, 2,000 followers. Like, our, we went to our first 1,000, which is the first hardest to get, because we got a shout out from, um, I don't know if you know, Sebastian Tribiani. He's, you got no mail on oh, Instagram. yeah, yeah.
2: So he, you know, says, he, he and I went to the same college, which is uh kind of bizarre. In Ohio, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. so That's funny. How, yeah.
1: Anyway. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm really good friends with him. So when, when I started it, you know, he shouted me out. So, you know, that gave me a boost. But, like, our first viral moment was a meme that I made about Britney. It was Kim Zosiak. It was her looking psychotic in her car smoking a fucking good old cigar or cigarette. <laughs> and I was like, oh, when you're four months into the pandemic and you gain 10 pounds and you're about to go free Britney. And I made the mistake because I didn't even know what watermarking was. I made the mistake of just posting. and like, ha ah, this is going to make me and 10 other people laugh. I didn't watermark it. And these bitches, when I tell you these bitches with like a million followers, <laughs> stole that shit. Yeah. And, and it's like, so frustrating. And we I didn't look, know
0: what to do. We
1: were like, "What so do we mad what I do?" Went, I wanted to delete that shit so
0: bad.
1: <laughs> <I> why <know. laughs> like I commenting know. on other people's like, "This is my meme." And I'm like, you "No, know I'm just gonna take the L." You know, some people like stood up for me and us and tagged us. It's like this is viral my black meme whatever. And that was like our first viral moment where we got more followers. What was your first like moment where you got a bunch of influx of followers?
2: Well, it's so fascinating you talk about that because I do think that the rules of the internet are still changing or people are still understanding credit and all of that kind of stuff, but it is devastating. And I remember that happening to me, especially early on, it happened quite a bit of people stealing memes and stuff like that. And or video edits, that would really frustrate me of like when you spend so much time editing together a video and you know people are just, instead of retweeting, they're just taking it and posting it. And it's like, well, you follow me. Why don't you just retweet it? Right? That just happened with, the. Uh, um, I uh, posted this edit of Tyra Banks interviewing Beyonce. And it took me so long to like edit all the, the whole episode down. And now I see it pop up everywhere and I I never watermarked it or anything, but it's like, I see it and I'm like, man, I wish people would have just retweeted it or reposted it or whatever, but it's hard to complain about that stuff. And anytime you do complain about, I feel like, or at least in my case, when I complain about it, people would be like, Oh, why, who cares? Like it's the, whatever. And you're like, well, it is a big deal if you're trying to grow a a brand and a following. And anyway, um, in terms of the first things, Early on, I was, I was a ghostwriter and I was ghostwriting, or I was technically listed as the co author of this diet book, but, uh, so I did a lot of like workout and diet memes and stuff like that. So I remember those early on were, were the things that people would pick up and repost and all of those kinds of things. I don't remember a specific one, but I was just doing a lot of that kind of material, like, you know, me on a diet or something now. And some of it, I look back and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cringe and whatever, but, uh, you know, they were innocent and funny. And, um, so those were the first ones. And then, yeah, when I did those ASMR videos, they, those really took off of the whispering over the thing. And yeah. So I can't remember specifically, but those were some of the yeah, early ones.
1: Those are like those. when I think of you, I think of those ASMR videos. Oh. Like, I don't know oh. why it's Thank you. why like, it's good. but it's something I would send them to Aaron and I'm just like, laughing while i'm like
0: trying to tell him to listen to it because they're I our so- favorite moments and it's like just hearing them being whispered it's like it's just funny as fuck like i don't know
2: yeah you realize what how ridiculous it is uh what they're saying and yeah. i don't know if you follow t kyle he did a great one of the beverly hills amsterdam dinners so there were other people are around that time who were doing those AM, asmr ones but i also did a something called jessica thursdays for a really long time which was like jessica simpson i would do these posts of her in the early uh 2000s and those really took off and and people would like ask me about them all the time and i don't really do them anymore because they were so time consuming because i would write these yeah. long captions but those really took off early on too so um, then
1: let's mm-hmm. get into the podcast like yes For us, obviously, our ultimate goal would be to have Nini Leaks and Andy Cohen do our podcast. (laughs) You had Andy Cohen on your podcast. We want to know how the hell did that culminate? Like, how did you land the king of all kings?
2: I wish I knew. I mean, I would love to have Nini on too. I mean, she's there's. I've interviewed most of the housewives and pretty much everyone that I would have wanted to, but, but I've never gotten to talk to Nini. But I think she would be. Uh, thrilling to chat with. But uh, Andy, I don't know, the show just kept snowballing. And I know a, a couple of, um, I think one of Andy's best friends listens to the podcast. I had uh, gone to watch what happens live right before the pandemic and I was a bartender. And I remember Andy had told me that his friend Liza was a big fan of my show and would would play clips for him or something like that or or whatever. And so I think it was just sort of organic that way. Uh, And then when Salt Lake City was coming out, I just on a whim was like, maybe I'll try to like reach out to see if he would do my show. And yeah, he said yes. And he he also couldn't have been nicer too, because not only did he say yes, but it was like as much time as you need. I think he did like an hour and 20 minutes or something, which I know he's got a crazy busy schedule, but he was like, let's do it. And he was so nice and giving with his time. There were no questions off limits, which as it's a lot of people have, pr people will say you don't ask this or you can't talk about this and he had no limits so he was really one of the best and easiest and i always find that like the bigger celebrities are much easier to book and schedule and coordinate than like the housewives some of the housewives it can be so difficult i just had one that cancelled and rescheduled on me like three times and then after the third it was like after the second or third time i was like i'm I, we're done here like i can't it's too difficult to be going back and forth. And this doesn't happen with, I had Cameron Diaz on my show or, and she was easy as can be, or Elizabeth Olsen or like, you know, Kiki Palmer was on and it's like, those are the easiest ones. And then some of the housewives. Those are guests. Like, (laughs) like. (laughs) those are guests, guests. And they're always the easiest ones. It's like, they're just go with the flow. I remember Elizabeth Olsen from, she's in the Avengers and everything. She is no longer on Instagram, but I just reached out and she like gave me her cell phone number and I was like, oh yeah, let's just do it. Call me, call me this guy. Do you day. have
0: WandaVision's number? Like you have the Scarlet Witch's number? Like I, I don't know that if that it's thing. still
2: her number, but I, and I'm afraid to like reach out again, but I do have a number for her.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. So I would I- send a WandaVision meme.
1: I'm
2: like, do you like this? Well, she sort of, okay, this is sort of a deep cut from my podcast, but she sort of revealed WandaVision on my show. This was back in 2017 and WandaVision hadn't even been announced. Disney plus wasn't even a thing yet. And she had talked on my show about how she wanted to do a sitcom version of uh, this storyline from the comics called house of M. And it got picked up by all these news outlets. And then a couple of years later, uh, WandaVision, came out and was announced and stuff, but she, she talks all about it on the podcast, what ultimately became of it. And she's like, I think we would have to go through like Netflix and do it because Disney plus didn't even exist. And then she explained it. I remember thinking like, that sounds like such a stupid idea. Like it didn't, it seemed crazy to me, like to do a superhero (laughs) sitcom thing. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, it'll be like an old 50s sitcom and then, you know, different sitcom <laughs> tropes. And I was like, for a superhero, like I just thought it was crazy. And then ultimately that's what the show was.
1: When you try to explain it like that, it's sound... like I, I sat down and I tried to get my mom to watch it. And she was like, why is it in black and white? I thought this was a superhero show. And I'm like, you know, I'm just turning it off. You don't get it. You don't get
2: it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it was so, it was so good. And it was, yeah, you have to kind of get into it. But it was a brilliant show but when you're I don't know I never knew much about that comic series which was based on House of M I don't
1: It culminated there.
0: So I I want to know Danny um what guests do you feel like uh was most like how they are on television like the same personality. Mm, yeah.
2: For the most part, once the housewives get to me or when they're doing an interview, you know, they're kind of on their best behavior and everything. So they're all usually pretty nice. There's certain ones that stick out that I really loved. I remember Cynthia Bailey was on my show pre-pandemic and she came over to my apartment at the time and she stayed a while afterwards and was like so nice and friendly. And uh, so she was really great. And uh, who else did I love? I love Dr. Wendy um, from Potomac, she was like really sweet and nice. And, um, Heather Gay was like incredibly, you know, there, a lot of them who are, I think, seemingly nice on TV are usually nice in in real life. And, and for the most part, I think the housewives are well-represented because there's also people like I've interviewed Karen Huger and I, she's my favorite. Like, I love Karen Huger. And it, it felt like I was talking to, The character karen huger on tv like she you know she's a little shady she's a little (laughs) throwing jabs at giselle and like all that stuff that you see on tv i was like oh this is exactly like you are on the show which i love have you ever had like the total opposite um no there was there was one housewife and that she's no longer a housewife, but it was kind of like a rough interview it wasn't my favorite and uh yeah i yeah. She wasn't really nice. And people who have listened to it know which one I'm talking about, but you know, it, it is what it is. Sometimes you just don't connect right with people and she's got a whole margarita empire that uh, she's busy with, but it just wasn't really great. It was, maybe she was a bad day or whatever, but it, sometimes it just doesn't go as well as you hope.
0: Yeah. Sometimes that happens. I believe like people just have like either a bad day or like maybe their energy can be a little off.
2: Yeah, I think it's like if you notice a pattern with someone, that's a different story. But yeah. even when I look at that one website, what's it called? Um, the Instagram demois? Sometimes I look at those and it, it kind of bums me up because I think like maybe that person just had like a really shitty day or like some something happened and they were an asshole. But it's like,
1: why were they mean to me? Like, what was it about me
2: that you decided that? <laughs> what did I do? Wanted to mean be mean, mean to me that right. day. Right, yeah. But,
1: but yeah, so we know that you already... Well, you've ghostwritten some books. So you, you have a book with literally Tom and Ariana, um, but you're working on a book right now. Can you tell us, what can you tell us about it, if anything?
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I had a book come out earlier this year. It's a, an essay collection called How Do I Unremember This? And I'm working on the follow-up now. So hopefully I'll be able to share more by the end of this year. But the my next one will be out like towards the end of next year. So the publishing industry is really, really slow. Like it just um, takes a really long time, but it will for sure be coming out. Um, and it's the end of next year. I just, uh, and hopefully I'll be able to share like the title and all that stuff this year. But, um, you know, the printing process and all of that is slow, but I'm mostly done with it. The the next one, I'm I'm nearing the end of, of the writing of the bulk of it. And so I'm really excited about it. I, it's sort of a continuation of the last book. And there's a specific theme that mm-hmm. I, I think hopefully people who like the first one will like the next one. So.
0: And I must say how do I unremember this like I read I haven't I haven't purchased it yet but I did read the first chapter because they give you like a little sample and I will say because I do not read a lot of books your Thank book you, definitely Aaron. makes me want to get into reading again. And K knows I don't really read like that. Thank
2: you. <laughs> like, <laughs> Thank you. It's an easy book, Aaron. I pick it up or I listen to the audiobook or whatever. No, yeah. it's an well, easy read. Yeah. Yeah, That's how I a,
1: got to give them lala. It's yeah. a,
2: very right. relatable.
1: What's up,
2: I'm gonna stop you both. Did you hear the um <laughs> a clip of the Craig audiobook from Southern Charm? Do you yes, know, like, did you did you hear a clip of it?
1: Aaron did it, but I did and I yeah. it. I hate it. It's, it's like so
2: funny to me voice. because I only heard a clip of it, but he's like shouting. He's shouting it, and <laughs> yeah. it just makes me laugh so hard. I I had seen some people had said that. Like, did you hear Craig's audio? And so I listened to this clip, and it was so funny to me. And I, I don't know how the book was, and I only heard a little clip, but it was cracking me up because I was. Like, it's thinking, like
1: he had no instruction. He was like. They were like project, but he took it too literal. Like he was talking to like a class of students at like fucking USC or something. When it's like, no, you're like reading your book. Like and there was like kind of no personality. I'm just like, this is why you deserve if you're buying that book anyway.
2: So it like, is a. They have a director. You know, when I did my audiobook, there's someone listening, and they're pretty strict about the performance because it's audiobooks have a certain cadence. When I did mine, it was like I was ready to go in, and I'm i talk fast on my podcast and I was ready to do that cadence and they work with you to make sure that you have a cadence. So I was just thinking like, what happened there? Like what, or maybe it was just a weird clip that I heard, but it was, you know, I can't even I imagine. Think was, <laughs> how, did it, how did it get through though? I don't get how they just print did it.
0: <laughs> but you have a great voice. So I can only imagine like you reading would be like, it would be nice.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting thing. The whole, that whole process is very painstakingly slow of recording an audiobook. And yeah, I was so nervous because with mine, I was nervous that people who listen to my show would be like, what the fuck is this? Because it's a slower cadence, like I said. Mm-hmm. And uh luckily everyone was everyone seems to really like the, the audiobook. And I feel like that's actually what most people end up getting with that book is they get my audiobook. But um I was so nervous because I was like, I don't think it sounds like my podcast, or is that gonna freak people out?
1: Well, that's the the thing, though, like when we're, whether it's a podcast or Instagram or anything that you put out, when it comes to your book, like that's more personal to you. And since you're reading it to someone, it makes you feel like more connected, like, okay, this isn't Danny on the podcast. This is the real Danny who is, you know, reading this work that is really important to him important to me because i bought it to us so even if it doesn't sound like what you usually sound like that is actually like a good thing because yeah. it feels like you're putting the effort in and we're getting to know you, you and things of that sort but Thank you. you've been on watch what happens live like how was it like just the environment being behind the scenes like just that whole experience how is it there
2: Oh, it was so exciting. And the staff there, I've mentioned this before, but everyone is so nice. And I got the impression cause that's what I was most interested in. Like, how does everyone seem to like the show? And cause I've been backstage at other talk shows with other people or, uh, at, you know, as an audience member backstage with other people. And you can kind of tell, I remember that Ellen stuff came out and I had been with a friend who was on Ellen and I was backstage and, you kind of get that vibe. I felt like I could get that vibe of like people didn't love it there. And with Watch What Happens Live, I felt like every time I've been there, everyone seems to love their jobs and to love Andy and love the shows and the network. And it feels very much like they are enjoying their jobs. And so that's the thing that I think stuck out the most to me, but everyone was so nice. It's very chill. It's a much smaller studio. So it's all very intimate and there's cocktails and it's, it's, it was so much fun. Yeah. I get for, when I, did uh the press for my last book. I got to be like a guest on the main show and in the chair. And I was with Jackie um, from The Real Houses in New Jersey. And that was just wild. I was like looking around because I had done it over Zoom a couple of times during the pandemic. And then I was a, a bartender before the pandemic, but just getting to sit there on the like main chair and see the audience and everything, it just was like a dream come true. Cause like you both said, when I when I started the podcast, I that was the goal of like, oh my god, I could have. That would be the dream to be on Watch What Happens Live and to get to talk about Housewives there. So it was so so fun, and everyone was great.
0: It looks like you had a great time, and I even seen like the interview that you did. I think it was like the press release for your book on the View, and it oh looked god,
2: like that was, dream, that was crazy. Karen, that like,
0: was like the, the moment, it just looks like everything was happening so fast.
2: I was, it was, the view to me is everything. Like, I watch the view every single day. It's like, that's my wind down. They're on hiatus right now. And it's devastating to me because yeah. that's what relaxes me in bed at night as I watch the episode of, of the day. But yeah, that was incredible. Although they were very clear to me that it was like, Whoopi and Joy would not be there for my interview. So it was like, I got Sarah and Sonny, who I love. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was, it was incredible. I mean, it was the best thing ever. And it was cool because they, have this segment called view your deal where they sell like stuff for 50% off. And it's like this segment that most people tune out of. But I told them, I was like, no, I love the view your deal segments. I've bought a bunch of shit for my house from those segments. And so the, that day I printed out all of the receipts from all the things that I purchased. And there was like a stack of receipts. Cause I've gotten candles. I've gotten all sorts of shit for my nephews. And so I, that day I got there. I was like, can I do this bit where I like pull out the receipts and show you that I'm a big fan and they let me do it. And, uh, it, so it was just so fun that they, you know, kind of let me run with it and they were so nice. And I love the executive producer. There's a guy named Brian Teta, who was so nice and, and amazing. Yeah.
1: Your second book, I'm going to manifest that whoopie and joy will be there.
2: for you. Yes. Your mouth to whoopie's ears. That's that'd be the dream. I, I got to be in the audience once before the pandemic of the view. And uh, I tweet a lot about the view. And so the executive producer, I had like reached out to him and I was like, can I get tickets with a friend? Like, is that how, you know, and he brought me on stage after the taping and I got to meet the women very, very briefly. But I at least got to meet Whoopi there that time. And and I got a picture with her and stuff because I love her.
1: That's iconic. That's kind oh of what I also miss about, like you're saying, how you buy stuff. That's what I miss about Wendy Williams shows. The trendy it's like, at Wendy. The trendy at Wendy.
2: <laughs> my God! No. Like, can you please do her podcast. like, is do you- she doing? Do we know what Wendy's doing with her podcast? Like, isn't she's hosting? Every that she's doing
1: time it? that they release something. About her podcast, it's allegedly coming. The Wendy Williams experience. There is another article that is like, no, she has dementia, and I'm just like, wait,
0: oh. which is one is
1: it? or is she not okay? And like,
0: then, like, she's randomly outside, and she's like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, me with COVID. And
2: do you think that? Um, how, what do you think? How do you think Sherry will do?
1: Um. I'm not going to watch it. So I mean, I'll mean, i just be honest. I'm not watching the yeah. Sherry show. Um, yeah. I like Sherry <laughs> against her, but I just have never desired to see her. Um, and and I,
2: think, a- I think part of the appeal with Wendy is like, you never knew what she was going to say. And it was so exciting because you'd watch on the edge of your seat. And I, I don't know if anyone else would have that same sort of unfiltered attitude that she had.
1: The only person that I can yeah. think of is, is Mimi. And they yeah. don't give Mimi... A
2: show
0: for whatever reason, <laughs> for
1: whatever reason. Anyways, I'm not even getting into that right now. But uh, but okay, so you have that book with Tom and Ariana, which is like it's not just like a, a recipe. what do you call? It? I call it a, like recipe a cocktail recipe.
2: Cocktail recipe. A book. cocktail book. Yeah. Okay,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, so obviously you are you are. Closer to the Vanderpump Rules cast and anyone that we know personally, and season ten is going down right now. So, what can you tell? Us?
2: Uh, I wish I had
1: anything. Do you, you know? know, I, know wish, I
2: I really don't know anything. I mean, I'm I'm close with especially Ariana and and Tom too. But I mostly like Ariana and I text and you know we're pretty friendly and uh, I love her to death. But I don't really usually when I talk to her, I don't really I haven't really asked for anything. I think especially when I was doing the book, I was like asking them all the time of like, okay, what happened here? What's going on here? And then it's not—it's it, never as fun to know, to watch the shows. Cause then you're like waiting for the stuff that you heard. And then a lot of times it's disappointing because you're like, wait, I heard this was way more interesting. And then what aired. And especially I think with the Underpump rules, it's like, I feel like the interest, I don't know what's going on with the production side of things. And I don't want to throw production on the bus, but some of the times I'm like, wait, how is this a show that you cobbled together? Because it's like the past few years have been awful. And so I think it's confusing that it's gotten to be such a bad show. And so I don't know. I really don't know anything other than what we've all heard on um, the things uh, on the blogs. And I've been thinking, I was like, I want to ask one of them to come on my show because I'm very interested in all this like Katie Maloney stuff with Tom and Raquel, but I haven't, I haven't done that yet, but yeah. So I don't know anything. I wish I knew something good.
1: Fair. Okay, so do you know anything about any Bravo shows that's going on right now? Like, I heard in Jersey, Jackie has been demoted to a friend.
2: Yeah, and, and I've I- heard that that's not the final yet. Like, I don't, maybe it is, but I, from what I've heard, it's like they haven't made that decision yet, but um, I've heard about the stuff with the wedding at Jersey of, like, with Melissa and I think some of that'll play out on the season, and pretty much the mm-hmm. blogs reported it, all the things that I heard. Because sometimes people will DM me, and it's like I don't even know if they were someone on production or just someone who's at one of these events or someone making stuff up. It's hard to tell. Or sometimes uh, housewives will message me. I'm not sure if this happens with YouTube, but it's like somebody will like try to. They want to leak something, right? Like they want to leak and to get and to, public like, opinion. put it out
1: there, but then you're like,
2: and I don't, I don't ever. I, I'm not. That's just not. I don't like leak information for somebody or something. Cause I never know what's true. And a lot of the times I notice like those things end up not being true of what they tried to leak because they just right. wanted everyone to get against it messes past with, me. Like,
1: your credibility. And it makes you seem messy. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. not what we're here for. We're here to talk about you, baby girl, you know? Right, right,
2: right. <laughs> so, but I've heard the the stuff with Jersey I hear is really good. Um, and it, it's exactly what the blogs were saying is what I heard, which was like, there, Margaret had a friend who was trying to get on the show and then uh, was went to Jennifer and, and Teresa and said um, some stuff about uh, Margaret and Melissa. And then um, there was this allegation that Melissa had like made out with this guy that was on another reality show. I forget what show he was on. A really cute guy, but there was a rumor was that- he, yeah. yeah, but then
1: they and said that. it wasn't, I don't know. Okay, yeah. so with Beverly Hills, Aaron wanted to know Aaron, did you have a
0: question about Beverly Hills? Like, yeah, what are your thoughts like with all of the chaos that's going on? Like, how? What? What place does Beverly Hills have with you? The Beverly Hills franchise? Uh,
2: I think it's just gotten to be so bad. Um, this last week's episode—I don't know when this podcast will air—but the episode from this week where it's like Diana calling Sutton the sea next Tuesday, and all the women just sort of sitting there quietly. I just felt like it was not fun at all to watch. And I'm someone who likes like cringe. And I think Beverly Hills, some of the best episodes have been when the show has gotten really kind of bleak and, and heavy. And it's been about these family sibling drama or the Taylor Armstrong situation. Like, I think that's some of the best reality TV we've gotten when it gets like that. Um, But this to me doesn't feel like a, a, a fun to watch version of, any of a bleak reality show this feels like i don't want to watch this like it's there's no fun in it and everyone was like sitting around staring after that happened and sutton was so clearly upset Mm -hmm. and i just thought it was so strange that nobody said like shut the fuck up like what or said anything like it, it just sort of feels like they're all grasping at straws with sutton not i don't think garcelle and and crystal sort of stays out of it but i feel like a lot of the women um, they want to feud with Sutton because it keeps like a storyline moving forward for them without having to like be on them and then they don't have to turn on each other. So it's like they want Sutton to react so that they have like another few weeks of like talking about well, how Sutton reacted. And it's like getting old to me that this keeps happening.
0: Yeah. And I agree. I definitely agree. Because
2: I feel like at this point, Sutton isn't
0: even doing anything. And it's like they go out their way to attack her. Like, and it's just, it's it's getting weird. And I even think with Garcelle, she's more of the, the person that kind of like stands up for Sutton. But I think she's kind of backed down a bit because she doesn't want to look like Sutton's like protector, like, you know, how they're making her out to be.
1: And it's like, how much can Garcelle do? You know, yeah. like, she has been there for a She gets shit for it. Even though she got shit for it, it doesn't stop her from being there for certain But it's like, at some point, we the audience has to see that these women are literally ganging up on Titan for themselves. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I saw after the episode the general consensus was... I'm in a even the people who aren't a sudden fans, I'm a Sudden right. fan, but the people who aren't Sudden fans necessarily are like that was totally unacceptable. And yeah. I think that, you know, um, it just goes to show that we need like a a shakeup yeah. to come. And, and people have gotten too comfortable.
2: And one of the things, although I I said I wish that people would have stuck up and said something, I do think on some level, Garcelle also realizes if I Stick up and say, like, fuck you. Stop talking shit about Sutton. Then the women are going to make that they're going to make that Garcelle their storyline of like, how dare you talk to us like that? So Garcelle, I think, and and Sutton are realizing in that moment of like, well, we're just going to be quiet now and see how you guys can roll with this if we don't give you any reaction So it's frustrating as the viewer to watch, but that's what I think Sutton and Garcelle were sitting there quietly doing because Sutton even didn't start crying until she realized like Diana was leaving and gone. But she tried to keep a straight face and like not react because she knew that then they'd take it and run with it. And I think Garcelle probably was sitting there thinking too, like, fuck, if I say anything, then you're all going to just run with that for two episodes or something. And so maybe if we don't even give you anything to run with, then you're going to have to figure something else out. And yeah, when I hear they do figure out something else.
1: That seems like, exactly, okay, so um, let's, we always play a game on Bubble Up. Like, obviously, this is more of an interview rather than uh, our regular episode, but we always have like a pot stir. And since we're talking about Beverly Hills already, we have a little game that we want to play. It's, it's definitely called Fix That Franchise, okay? Oh, and gonna do um, we're all going <laughs> to <do> this. <stuff. laughs> maybe just take some of these suggestions because i have some um i have <laughs> this but uh we're going to choose a franchise it doesn't matter it can be the same franchise obviously choose a franchise we are going to fire one or more housewife okay so it can be one to three or all of them and then we're going to cast two more and then we're going to pick a few that we want to see so i'll go first oh okay the franchise that I'm going to choose is obviously Beverly Hills. It's okay if all of us choose Beverly Hills because it's very <laughs> terrible.
2: It needs the most fixing.
1: I'm going to fire Lisa. She likes, lips has gotten too comfortable. Diana, so she can go back to being Asher's manager or mom or whatever. <laughs> and obviously Erica. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to cast Nicolette Sheridan and... Yeah. Kimora Lee Summons. And I'm going to bring on as a friend of Cynthia Bailey. So I think that would be nice. And as far as who I want to see feud, I think it's going to be Kimora versus. Who's left?
2: <laughs> yeah, okay, okay so country. it'll be.
1: It'll be Kimora versus. Who I fire? I fire at least a. Diana and um, Erica. So, I guess it'll be Kamora versus Kyle Richards because I feel like Kyle, although I've, you know, had, I, I like her more last season, especially more than this season because she's stirring the pot. I think she's too comfortable. So, that's what I am going to do to fix that franchise. And I feel like that would be a good way to get shit popping.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love Kamora to be on it. I I loved her last reality show. I think she'd be great. The only issue that I do have with UK, Kea, uh, with that uh, being said, is that Nicolette, I would love to see with Rinna because I feel like they have that weird kind of like thing. And I feel like if there's that, we do need someone that's able to go up against Rinna and Erica if we were to keep them. But I ultimately agree with you that we should probably get rid of them. It's just, I feel like the Nicolette stuff would be interesting because wasn't, was she the one that was made yeah. to Harry? She was married yeah, to Harry. yeah.
1: So what would you do, Danny? Like mm-hmm. you pick
2: a fridge. Well, I love, I really do love your choices. I think um, for Beverly Hills, I, I also don't really think Dorit's doing anything. And it, Dorit's frustrating me a lot this season, because like we saw last week episode or this episode where she was saying in her confessional, like Kyle's stirring the pot too much. And I'm like, well, why don't you call it out in the scene? Right. You know, Dorit's not, she's keeping quiet. So um I, I love the idea of bringing more. I think Cynthia Bailey would be really good on Beverly Hills as a friend because she brings like a calming, really sweet presence to the show that I think we need more than ever on that franchise. Um Yeah, now I'm just focused on like Beverly Hills House. I think we have to get rid of Diana and Erica. My worry is that the Erica Jane stuff, people are so invested in the legal drama that they they wouldn't even think about getting rid of her. And I don't, I feel like it's an obnoxious sort of presence of like, I'm above it all on the show. And when she's, she just seems like mean on the show. I think. She and just I seems feel like mean. now
1: it's it's not even funny anymore because she's clearly not going to go to jail. She's just going to keep getting sued. And like, that's it. And I'm sorry. It sounds out of touch. Well, no, I'm not sorry because she's out of touch as, as we saw or by the time this airs, you guys will see how terrible she looks when she's talking about not getting the earrings back. Like I'm not interested in seeing a poor Erica Jane anymore. Her looks are not giving. She's not fun. She doesn't have the personality to be a fun housewife. And, um, you know, she's not performing she doesn't have the budget to perform. I don't want her and her like dusty ass clip-ins on my screen anymore. So <laughs> definitely needs to go, but so, okay. So you are going to fire.
2: Who? Yeah. Your- uh, I would fire Rinna, Diana. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to bring Brandy back. Uh, Ooh. And I feel like Brandy, I would like to see if we're keeping Erica Jane. Cause I just don't imagine them getting rid of mm-hmm. I think it would be interesting to see Brandy and Erica um, viewed.
1: Okay. And then pick like a trip that you want them to go on.
2: The cast trip. I'm really enjoying like the snowiness of Aspen, which normally I like when they go on a tropical vacation, but I do wish that somebody from the Bravo universe would go back to scary Island. Like I wish they would send them back to that house specifically, whether it be New York or somebody else, but I would like to see that happen. Yeah. Okay. And I like when they go out of the country. I think um, I like when they're on just in another place as well. Like if we're doing like a big international trip, I'd like to see them go to just another country. Yeah. But I see now I'm thinking about, see this, you shouldn't have asked me this question because now I'm be literally staying up tonight. Thinking <laughs> of all, each franchise and like, how do we fix all the each different, franchise? Like mm-hmm. how can I fix
1: OC? Like right now, I'm sorry. That's not enough for me.
2: Um, right. I think that we need some of them need changes, and I think they're in a weird spot right now where they're trying to figure out like, is it best to bring back old faces, or is it best to regroup? And I don't know what the right answer is. On New York, they're doing this new legacy cast, and then they're doing a new new people cast. And I think the idea for New York and the rumors of these people who are influencers coming on, I don't think they'll ultimately be that interesting because it's like if they're influencers, they're not going to want, but they're going to be so guarded. We see that. I think before we were recording here, we were talking about MTV's the challenge. And one of the problems with that show over the years is it started to bring in all these people who wanted to become influencers. And if you look at the real world, uh, the original reality show, the past five, 10 years of the real world hasn't been anything anyone's talking about because the people that they're casting are just doing it uh, so that they can get a social media following and get brand deals. Whereas the early seasons of the real world, they was were dynamic personalities that weren't editing themselves on camera. And now if we're casting young women in New York who are influencers, like that's going to be a flop. I just saw, I probably shouldn't say this. I don't know when it's, this podcast, maybe it'll be out after this airs. But that real girlfriends of Paris. I saw the premiere of that, and I was just like, I don't know, like I, I'm, I just can't get into it. Like I want an older <laughs> lady. I like, I think that's where the Bravo bread and butter is, and I think they're going to be less guarded than a 30 year old influencer.
1: I hate that they're aging down this whole idea of aging down. Yeah. that, well, I know that Kim Zolciak was "quote unquote" 30 when she joined. <laughs> I you
2: know, don't believe president. that. Uh, yeah,
1: no, that's why <laughs> he that's was why, 60. No,
2: since she... <laughs> I mean, I, I just rewatched that first season of Atlanta and she definitely doesn't look oh. 30.
1: Like, I'm 28. Like, I'm not that far from 30. Ooh. And that is not... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't, I don't leave
0: her for a second. Like, I don't know. I love uh, her. I'm love i like, it's the cigarettes. It's the cigarettes.
1: It has yeah. to be. <laughs> Those <laughs> early
2: seasons of Atlanta were just so good. I just rewatched up to... Up through season three, and it's just the best TV. Like it's just the best. Oh,
1: we're gonna ask you about that in a minute. But Aaron, I want to know who. Okay, what what franchise would you fix? Obviously,
0: who so would you fire? Speaking of Atlanta, I would act, I would actually fit Atlanta. Not that it needs a lot of fixing. I would definitely fire Senior Richardson. Like I would take her off. Um, and I she's just would just working. Yeah, she's just not working. Um. And there's no need to keep trying. I would bring Vivica Fox on. I love and her. I would bring Nini back. Those Amazing. are the two things that I would do. And I would have uh Kenya and Vivica Fox get into a fight and have a whole thing throughout the season. Again. Even though they've made up recently, like I want like a fake feud.
1: Who was that by um, trick?
0: exactly and then the trip i want them to go to texas and see meg the stallion perform like that's how
1: that's so random but i'm here for it
2: (laughs) i would love to see nimi back i just have this dream of them like working out their issues and i don't know the
1: lawsuit has been dropped you guys i know that i get on here and i say it once a month (laughs) but this time i'm for real it's serious
0: because she about but she's dropped it for
1: real. And like
0: Come back. I'm ready to see her and candy like beef. Like that is gonna make my year.
1: Candy is having her funniest season. Yeah, I'm sorry. I also can't mm-hmm. it. The funniest I like
2: candy season. too. I, yeah. I I find that's not very popular lately. I every time I talk about candy, I feel like everyone's like, I'm they're ready for candy to leave. And I'm like, I like candy.
1: I was ready for her to leave, yes. but then I saw her during the season and she's she, when she said that it could be a horror race and I wouldn't bet on Marlo, I almost like passed away. And I'm like, you know what? She needs to stay. She's, um, good. She's good. This is Bravo while Black. And we want to talk about a little bit of the, the Black franchises on Bravo, which is Atlanta, Potomac, and then so Married to Medicine.
2: I love Married to Medicine so much. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Uh, of those three which is like your favorite like if you had to choose
2: which one is your favorite i say this a lot but married to medicine i think is the most consistent show on bravo i don't think they've ever had a bad season i think it's always good it's reliable Mm -hmm. it's a great cast it's one of the few shows in bravo history that like they've had pretty much the same original Mm -hmm. remaining cast i mean there's been a little turnover but for the most part it's so good and I uh, I don't get to cover it on my show. I, I have in the past, I've covered Married to Medicine. I've had a few of the women on the show, on my show. And I find that a lot of the housewife watchers don't watch Married to Medicine. And when I was recapping it, people weren't turning into my recaps of it. But so I think weird. it's, I know. And I I think people actually, I've noticed in the past, maybe, I don't know if you've noticed this, but in the past six months, I keep hearing more and more about people who are like, I'm giving Married to Medicine a try and like really liking mm-hmm. it. So I'm I'm hopeful that, and I'm confident that it's so the back catalog of Mary to Medicine is so good. Whether you tune into the, I think you should start at season one, but if you were to start at season yeah. four, it doesn't even fucking matter when you start at it. Whereas I think if you were to look at Atlanta, there, I don't know that I would tell someone who'd never watched Atlanta, like, go start at the Kim Field season. You know, like I would say start somewhere else.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> but, a really good season though.
2: Um, yeah, there's some good stuff. Yeah, I mean Atlanta's always Atlanta and Potomac are very both both very reliable too. But I just think Married to Medicine, I I feel like a I want people to watch it because I just think it's it's so reliably good that I, I want people to tune in.
0: I think the worst season, not that they have one, but if if I am gonna choose one, it's probably the one with Buffy.
2: Yeah, I see. I like that. I thought Buffy was ridiculous. There's one moment (laughs) where they're at a dinner and Buffy's like, um, she's crying because she's so successful. And she's like, people just judge me because I'm so successful. (laughs) And I was like, she's like, people don't want you to win when you're so rich and successful. And she's like crying. And it's all the women are just like, what the fuck are you saying? (laughs) It's funny. It was a very Toya kind of moment. Oh, I love Toya.
1: I love Toya. So then you chose Married to Medicine, which shows that you have like impeccable taste, obviously. Mm. What's your favorite episode of Married to Medicine, like of all time?
2: Uh, Of all time. I loved the Quad and Lisa Nicole fight where they were sitting at lunch. What about your lesbian relationship? Yes. What about your lesbian relationship? Oh, I see. And I want them to bring Lisa Nicole back because I just think she riled them all up in a good way. And I never sided with Lisa Nicole, but it was like something about her bugged the other women so much. Um, and yeah, so I, I'd say that's the best one, but I, I also think like they had the best COVID season out of any of the Bravo shows. Like I think yeah. all of them floundered during COVID because of a variety of reasons. I think filming was weird and they were wearing masks for a little while. And at certain points, those weird shields and. Uh, They weren't filming in large groups and stuff, but I think Married to Medicine had a great COVID season. It was interesting how they handled uh, all of the, uh, all of, did they go to Washington for, uh, was it Washington? Yeah, yeah. 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 They went to Washington and it it was so beautiful and they just do a great job of balancing heartfelt stuff and then the, the petty drama that we like in a way that I don't think any of the other shows do as well. I don't, I can't really remember a time where I've been watching like, Beverly Hills or some other franchise. And I like cry genuinely moved tears. Mm. And I feel like married to medicine always, at least like once a season has an episode, whether it be something about race or whether it be about a medical situation or something where they're moving me to a tear. Oh my God. Exactly. And
1: the people just don't understand what they're missing out on, you know? And I always tell people who play because before it was Everyone was like, oh, I watch every franchise except Atlanta and Potomac, which I'm like, that's clearly racist. But if you're going to (laughs) start, at least start, you know, try, try Potomac. They tried Potomac and we saw that so much of the Bravo audience got into Potomac over the pandemic so much so that Bravo went and spent the budget to remix a mm-hmm. little Nicki Minaj song to promote Potomac. And we had Nicki Minaj host Potomac. So I feel like if those same people who gave Potomac a try would at least give Married to Medicine a try, their life would improve.
2: How like, hope they do that again this year? Yeah. At least like, Bravo would give the budget to Married to Medicine to do that kind of um, the the promotion and I have to just mention that that intervention episode from this season where they did an intervention with Heavenly, I think it was like one of the greatest episodes yeah. of all time. Like they were showing her YouTube videos in a theater of like all the <laughs> mean <laughs> things that she said about all of them. It's and there's like fun. Quad was fucking taking notes. Like she had her notepad <laughs> out. <laughs> it was so funny.
0: Quad is, Quad <laughs> should win so many awards. She was, was
2: like, saying, okay, let, let, let me write that down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah the only the only thing that i didn't like about the um pandemic season of marriage medicine was that quad was a friend of
0: I that know, was all they
1: were but then later on in the season we saw more quad and they were like oh no we need her back in the fold and then quad
0: is back. like a part of Married to medicine mariah is too but you know i'm, I'm still i'm still waiting
2: for them now you know yeah I know. I hope that at some point they're able to bring Mariah because she also riled them all up too. And like what I thought was so fascinating about the Mariah dynamic with all the women was like, they would be fighting about something, but it was always about what was happening behind the scenes. And it was like, they wouldn't say that on the show, but it was clear to me that like they were upset. Mariah felt like she was a producer on the show and the other women, I think maybe were upset about that. And I think those casting mm-hmm. dynamics were at play, but they never were able to say it. So there was like this whole other layer of the fights that they had with her.
0: That's what I love about Mary to Madison.
1: They it's have so never
0: failed
1: good. us. They do, they <laughs> do this so much. And it's even watching Alora grow up, it's just like where does the fucking
2: time go? It's, I know. Uh, I know. She's gorgeous too. And the husbands work on married to medicine in a way that I don't think they work on any other show. Like I'm generally interested at the reunions when Andy's doing a, a segment with the men, I'm like, yeah, okay. I want to hear this. Whereas right. on yeah. Jersey, I'm like, I don't want to fucking hear from Frank and Joe on Jersey. Like, no, I don't care.
0: I don't, but I think it's because they also make it fun with like their group activities And like, they create moments on the show where the men actually bond and you can tell they have genuine relationships versus like being on Jersey where it's like, I'm just on here because my wife's on here, you know?
2: You know how people discover shows like really later on Netflix or something? I think Married to Medicine is just going to be something that it'll be like an all-timer thing where people in 10 years from now or whenever it ends, they'll go back and they'll be like, what's this show? And they'll play it and be like, this is the greatest show of all time. Especially once they hear that theme song. Wait, so what do you think of the, do you, do you like the techno version or the, I missed the original. Yeah. The original was the
0: best. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: agree. Can
0: they just change that
2: back? I don't know what, I think they lost the rights or something. I think it was a rights issue because I know people complained about the techno one. And then I think it was because the original singer or something. I don't know. I can't, Oh my god! Behind the
1: scenes, fucking drama about like that's that's some (laughs) shit. That like I don't know why, but I'm very interested in stuff like that for some reason.
0: Who is the singer, and do you want to come on the
1: podcast? Yeah, if you're the singer (laughs) and you want to come
2: on the podcast, hit us up. Just like yeah, I'm coming back that day. (laughs)
0: Listen, Danny, we will. You have to come back that day because then they're going to perform live. Like they have to
1: perform live.
2: There's nothing yeah. better. And we than need to get song. those
1: bitches that sing the Vanderpump Rules theme song. Uh, Dina Deadly. If anyone has a connection with Dina Deadly, can you guys please come on this podcast and have a <laughs> live performance of the
2: Wait, you know that Vanderpump Rules song? So in the cocktail book that I did with Ariana and Tom, in the intro, like I wanted it, I wanted the intro to end with the lyrics to that song, but like you're not allowed to uh, publish lyrics unless you get the rights to it and i was like arguing with the publisher i'm like can we get the rights to the like it shouldn't be that hard to get dina deadly like we to sign off on this yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> how much could it possibly be but no one wanted to like go through the whatever of it so we had to just sort of like allude to it so i think the end of it ends like why didn't you guys want to so raise that? those glasses up or something instead of high or, i don't know something stupid
1: what pisses my okay my roommate is a, a bartender and like he always watches um and Pump pools with me. Um especially when I was like bingeing the earlier seasons and he's like what the fuck are they doing this intro? Why is everyone spilling all of this alcohol? This is not realistic at all. Why is Because this it's
0: about to
1: insane? get messy. And I'm like do you not see Raul Chen up there with her? <laughs> hand <on> her hand?
0: <laughs> like the way they spill that wine was so beautiful and so like
1: They
2: were like logistics, the logistics of like, okay, well, you guys are bartenders, so you can hold you can be like mixing things. But then it's like when they have a cast member who's not a bartender or something, they just have to kind of find something else to do, like the wand. And it's like, what the fuck are they holding a (laughs) wand?
0: Because they're about to show you a trick like that's what
1: it is. Well, we had such a great time with you on here. You have to come back
2: thank you please yes. now that
1: we have this relationship with you and especially because you picked married to medicine and it's something about when someone picks married to medicine we're just we're like, okay,
2: siblings. Bravo. Thank you. like yeah, yeah. Right. yeah i get it yeah well i <laughs> like, really think it's the best i think and i just want to point out that the people who do it are this uh, production company called purveyors of pop and they also did the last season of miami and so i think they just are reliably good like, I don't, that's my, that's my takeaway is like, they just always make reliable stuff. And I also think like married to medicine isn't as flashy. Like they don't have a table flip moment or like they don't have some of those moments or, um, I don't know. I, you know, some of like those moments where Boy, everybody so
1: ask too much. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 And I think they're just always good though. They might not have something that is going to be in yeah. New York Times like a big scandal like Erica Jane, but they're going to provide a good episode of entertainment every fucking time.
1: Amen. Amen. Yeah. And well, thank you for coming. Like I said, thank you, thank and then you. also like can you please tell people like obviously they're going to know, but for our people who don't know where to find you, <laughs> where can they find you and also What could they look forward to next? I know you said you have the book coming out, but do you have like something more immediate? Do you have someone really big coming on on your podcast? Or like, tell us, give us a tidbit of what we can expect from you. And thank you so much. Thank you.
2: Thank you for having me. This was so fun. I love chatting with both of you. And I think uh, my podcast, not I think, my podcast is called Everything Iconic. My book is Um, called How Do I Unremember This? The next book will be out uh, late next year. And then let me see, who do I have coming on uh, I have a, a Potomac housewife coming on very soon because their season is premiering soon. So uh, I think that'll be end of September or early October. They'll be on my show and I'm trying to think of who else. There's some other people that are like in the works, but I'm always scared to say because they cancel. I had someone who was like really a like big name person was supposed to come on. And I was supposed to interview tomorrow and I just got an email saying they had to move it. So I don't know if it'll happen. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So, but I'm covering on my show, I'm covering Beverly Hills right now and I'm covering Atlanta and Salt Lake city is starting. So I'll be covering that. I, I hear great things about that season. And yeah, I have, um, I, this past week, I have an interview. It's it'll be out by the time this is out with a woman named Casey hammer. I don't know if you followed any of that army hammer stuff that was going on on yeah, social media. Yeah. So like um, there's this documentary called the house of hammer that will be out. By the time this airs and it's really fascinating about all that stuff in the Hammer dynasty and Casey Hammer is army's aunt and she's one of the people from this documentary. and So I interviewed her and uh, that was out this week as of this recording being out. So it was really interesting. Hopefully people will tune into that. And I, uh, the voice of Ariel from the little mermaid is also on this week. Oh my God. You have like,
1: Uh, what a variety of guests though that you have i i do want to point that out though it's not just you know bravo people but it's bravo people it's people from like netflix but then it's also like these mega stars and that's what i i love about your page and your podcast um you guys we are going to have danny for a few minutes on our patreon so please make sure that after you listen to this rate us five stars and then if you have anything less to say than five stars, just DM us or comment and cut us out. Because-
2: and wait, can I can I say something to all those people? I'm going to interrupt you. I apologize. But it I know when people, podcast hosts say that, go rate us and review us. I know oftentimes listeners just sort of ignore that or they you know don't pay attention, but it really does just take two seconds and it helps the podcasters out so much. So yeah, if you listen to this podcast and you like it, just go rate it five stars. Don't, if you don't, then don't. just stop listening but like if you listen and like uh, these two take two minutes out of your day it takes two it's really really quick and it's very helpful and i don't think the audience always realizes how helpful it is to podcast because it helps the ranking it helps people discover the show and so take a a couple seconds it really is helpful
1: yes you heard it here and um also please you guys sign up for our patreon okay we have so much content coming like this like this is this is literally for you guys like danny has been one of our most requested guests and i was like i don't know y'all we're gonna ask and we asked <laughs> and <laughs> it happened so please sign up for our patreon it's patreon.com slash wild black follow us send this to anyone that you love send us to anyone that you hate and we'll just be back next week with another episode and we love you so much can I tell
2: people on the Patreon? I'm going to tell that story about the housewife who is not so nice to me. I'll tell that story on the Patreon. Oh, Exc- yes.
1: Exclusive. Exclusive. The- okay. <laughs> so sign up for it. Thank you guys. We love you so much. Bye.
0: Love you